0: This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author, fanatical prospecting, objections, sales EQ, and inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, and I'm here with Jennifer Smith, who is the CEO and co-founder of Scribe. And we're going to be talking about processes and how you can become more efficient in your sales day so that you can have more time to generate revenue and less time doing a lot of repetitive tasks for your customers. Before we get started, I want you to go check out Sales Gravy University. There's a reason why sales teams from all over the globe use Sales Gravy University to train salespeople and for professional development. We've got more than 170 courses covering 700 hours of training, but we're a little bit different than most platforms in that we also have live training that's delivered by our master trainers, the same training that we deliver our biggest customers that you can attend with your membership. And right now you can try any course on the platform absolutely free. If you're a brand new customer by using the code free course, just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. Use the code free course, pick any course in the catalog and it's yours free. Jennifer Smith, really good to meet you. You've had a uh, pretty successful run getting some funding for your company and your PR person got in touch with me this morning and introduced me to you. And I was so intrigued that I wanted to get you on the podcast as soon as possible. One of the things about you that I just love, and this is it's a it's a quote from one of your professors, but when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do, your professor said that find the thing that you always have to apologize for about yourself and turn that into a career. And I just dig that because I think about my own self. I'm, I'm a sales junkie and un, I'm unapologetic about it, but I have to apologize all the time to my spouse for the time that I spend doing this. Tell me about that quote and and how that quote led you into where you are today with, uh, with this amazing company, with this incredible software.
1: I wish I could say it was a sudden aha moment where I said, oh, efficiency is the thing that you know everyone always complains about. If you were to ask my husband, he would say uh, one of his biggest pet peeves is I'm always trying to do things as efficiently as possible. So think I've got five errands to run today. What's the order I do those five errands And can it be multitasking at the same time to get them done as quickly as possible, um, which is wonderful for me, but annoying if you live with me, as I've been told. I wish I could say at that moment, I said, aha, I'm an efficiency nerd. And that means I should found an efficiency, productivity focused software company, right? That, that's not the way the world works. Um, but, you know, I, I spent a lot of my career working in organizations and operations um, at a, a large management consultancy called McKinsey. And what does that actually mean? That means I spent nine to five sitting with customer support agents looking over their shoulders, trying to figure out how to make them more efficient. Um, which if you've ever been in, in any of those roles, I have huge amounts of empathy for for uh, who folks who are doing that. That's uh, quite challenging. and um, wasn't very much fun for them, for me to be sitting next to them, um, but they were good sports about it. And if you do that work, you learn the name of the games, you find the best people and you sit next to them and you just say, hey, what are you doing differently compared to everyone else? And, you know, they would tell me, oh, I was trained to do all of these things. Here's this really big, thick manual that I was taught to do. But, you know, I found these 30 shortcuts instead, and here's what I'm doing differently. And as a consultant, my job was just write down everything they tell me and sell it back to my clients for a whole bunch of money, right? But I always thought like, gosh, if those great people had a way to share what they had figured out how to do, they could have scaled their knowledge in some way. They could have had really big impact in that op center and and impact with their customers too. Then you fast forward 15 years later, and I'm working in venture capital on enterprise software side, and I spent most of my time talking to buyers of enterprise software. I got really curious about, you know, why do you actually buy? What what makes a good buying decision? What are the problems you're trying to solve? What are the challenges? How do you think about the technology that you choose? What do you have budget for? Um, And this idea kept coming up over and over again. And so... Uh, you know, there's this famous Steve Job quote, so you can connect the dots looking backwards. And and for me, the dots looking backwards are, this is something I've always been interested in, a problem that's really been nagging at me for a while. And I turned what was really like a personal passion into something that I was hearing was a big problem for a lot of buyers. And I said, oh goodness, maybe I should start a company around this.
0: I think it's a a, a great, I checked out the software today. I hadn't heard of it until today. And I sat at our counter right over on the other side of the studio, we have a kitchen and I was sitting in there eating my lunch while I was doing research on you and your company. And I'm in the middle of the software and I immediately turned to our director of operations, Mary, and said, I want you to go check this out because in a lot of cases we're having to send our, you know, teach customers how to do things repeatedly that are really simple processes and and even though we put them sometimes on video, that it's being able to show them in a step-by-step way is, is easier for them to actually consume. And in fact, this is crazy because watching your software, I was building out, I've, I've got an Airbnb in my barn at my farm. And I I usually rent it to horse people, but I've got a couple of people coming in, and they needed to check in. And the lady says I'm coming in late, and I basically did what you do, but I had to go like take all these pictures and think, okay, if they if they came here and then they went there, and then went and and how would they get there? And I and I thought I've got to get this to a point where I have to keep explaining this over and over again. Uh, but before we move on, though, let's let's talk about efficiency. So you said something that for me connected because that's what we do as consultants. When we're working with sales teams, we'll go on site and we'll spend a week sitting on a sales floor or, sit or spending time with salespeople or going through sales days and watching every single thing that they do. And, and not long ago, mm-hmm. I was with a, a, a person who was training an inside sales team and they had the manual. And so I'm following them around for an entire week, watching them how, you know, how they're they're teaching. And at the end of the week, I'm like, So you have this manual that you give everybody, but you're not teaching this stuff. You're teaching all of these things that are in your head and you're having to do this over and over and over again. And we've got to get that out of your head and turn it into something that people can access. And in this case, a lot of it was around the software that they were using to deal with their customers and and how they were going to make quotes and then deliver the product. And and if they'd had access to easy access to I've got a question, can I get there? It would have been a lot easier for them versus sitting around the campfire and telling the story over and over to each other again and again. And when I'm working with salespeople in particular, one of our our core methodologies is efficiency plus effectiveness equals productivity. So when when you hear me talk to salespeople, it is, I want you to get as much done as possible in the shortest amount of time with the greatest possible outcome. And if you can do that in your sales day, you're going to be much more successful because time is the one thing that everybody, every salesperson has a limited amount of. And it's the one thing that separates the great salespeople from the mediocre salespeople, how you use your time. So when one of the things that I think is intriguing about your your product scribe, your your software is thinking about how a salesperson in the middle of their day is getting all these calls from customers and the customer needs to know how to do this or how to get that or how to get this done or how to file a report or whatever the case may be for that customer. All that's coming into the salespeople. And the salesperson's getting completely burnt out because they're answering these questions over and over again. Their boss is on them because they're not actually selling anything. How do salespeople become more efficient in their day uh, by taking these, these things that they have to repeat over and over again to customers and dialing that into something that they can very quickly help their customer with, which also delivers a great customer experience for that that, that account?
1: Yeah. I, first of all, love that equation that, that speaks to my heart. Efficiency plus effectiveness equals productivity. And it's so true. And you want to be thinking about where are the leverage points in your day? And I think so often when we hear efficiency and effectiveness, we we think um, prioritization, we think in an either or world, right? Okay. I have a limited amount of time and I have to get these five things done. And so that means that I'm going to spend some time on some of them. And that means I'm going to not do some other things as well. Right. And What we thought about is like, what's an and here? What does it look like if you could do both? What if you could spend less time doing something and deliver a better outcome for you and for your customer? What does that look like? And so the idea behind Scribe is exactly what you just said. You have all of this um, really valuable know-how in your mind around how do you do different processes, whether it's things you have to do as a salesperson or things you have to teach your customer how to do, especially when you're selling software, right? How do I do this in my software? I'm setting up my pilot. I'm doing a trial. Like, show me what this would look like. And you want to provide a really great experience for that customer, right? And so... Today, what does that look like? Oh, I pick up the phone. I'm answering your questions. I'm sending you long emails. Maybe God forbid. I'm actually like copying screenshots and and putting them together. And with Scribe, we said, well, what if we could automatically generate that for you? What if explaining to someone how to do something was as simple as just doing it yourself? And so the way the product works at, at a really simple level, it's a browser extension or a desktop application. You click the record button and you do that process. So a customer asks you, how do I configure my account, right? You click record and you just configure account. When you're done, you click stop record and it'll auto-generate step-by-step written instructions with screenshots on, on how to configure that account. What you've essentially done there is you've turned knowledge that you have into something that is scalable media, rather than going around and explaining to people one by one, whether it's that customer calling you on the phone or your example of the the person who was training the inside sales reps in the center, where they're one by one sort of explaining what's in their head, that's not scalable. That is not a good leverage point. That's not a good use of your time, right? How do you then turn that into something that is like software, that is like media, that is now scalable? And so we said, well, gosh, we can use technology to do that. What if we just watch you do the thing that's really special, the the thing you know how to do that's valuable and unique? And we automatically turn that into scalable media, into something that now, when a customer asks you that question, you can generate a, we call it a scribe, a a step-by-step document in, on average, 56 seconds and send it to them. And by the way, it looks like you spent 56 minutes on it, right? It's beautiful, step by step, it's customized, specific to them. And so you've delivered something that feels like white glove service, but actually was completely scalable and a great leverage point on your side. And so I'm always that really speaks to my heart of efficiency at the core of it. And I'm always looking for where there are opportunities like that in my day or in my my customers and my users' day or my teens' day, where you can find those leverage points of spend your time on the things that are hard. In this case, it's knowing how to do that particular thing, how to use that software and try to like automate away everything else or or find the leverage points where you only have to do it once. And now you can share it in many different ways.
0: And just to give you an idea as a listener, the power of efficiency, that sales team, that same sales team that we were working with, they were generating about $300,000 per seat per month. And this is an inbound sales team And most of those inbound calls are being generated by Google AdWords. So pretty expensive Mm -hmm. process for getting those calls in. Today, they're doing a million dollars per month per seat. And most of that was driving, driving inefficiency out of the day so that they were spending more time having conversations with customers. Because here's a a really basic fact about selling. The more people you have conversations with, the more you're going to sell. And the problem for most salespeople is that they're spending their day not having conversations with people, but but by doing repetitive tasks or by looking for things. So for example, if you are a Salesforce administrator in your organization and you handle the CRM, and or it could be a HubSpot CRM, and your cut your salespeople, you think the worth in your life is answering questions from salespeople because the salespeople are having to come to you over and over and over again. And by the way, they're asking you the exact same questions. How do I set up an account? How do I find this information? how do I create a list? If you used a, a software like Scribe, you could just do it once and you could send it to them. And by the way, and I, and, and I'm I'm like, I sound like a spokesperson for the software at this point, but I had a chance to take a look at it. It's better than a video because a lot of the like Salesforce videos, like if I want to teach you how to use a CRM, it's set up in the video. I have to watch a person go through it. And in a lot of cases it's, it's slow, but this is a very visual here's the step then you can go to the step and then here's the next step and you go this the next step and it's better than even a manual because even if I go to the FAQs on a website for example I have to go to that page it tells me all the steps and I have to navigate back to the other page and and, and then go back and read this is a little bit different so if you're in sales operations or in sales enablement, and you want to get your salespeople more time in their day, using tools that that drive efficiency is in your best interest. And if you're a salesperson and you want to make more money, front-loading your day with the most impactful things that you can do, like, talking with people gets a whole lot easier when you're not spending the front of your day in your middle of your email, answering questions from customers. And then, you know, like writing down the the instructions. And I'm sure Jennifer, this probably happened to you before you created this company, but a customer would come in or a a client would come in and they would ask how to do something. You would send them an email and then they would send the email back going, I kind of understand, but I'm not quite sure. Could you explain it again? So then you, you explain it again and you send a couple of pictures and you send it back to them. And then they, they, they send it back to you and go, well, I tried it, but it didn't work. And they're like, I don't know why. Then you send them it again. And then they send it back to you and say, it still didn't work. And finally you're going like, well, let's get on a Zoom call together. And then you try to do a screen share, but they don't know how to do a screen share. So you spend 30 minutes getting them to get their screen online so you can take a look at it. And it's waste so much time. So um, let's talk a little bit about getting deeper into your product. Um let's talk about field salespeople that are non-software. And, and, I, and you may not be able to handle this, but let me give you an example. One of my clients is in the transportation space, a pretty big space right now. It's growing, you know, delivering everything from, I got stuff delivered from Amazon yesterday for my little Airbnb. Um, th- this person has got forms that people who drive trucks have to fill out. So and they have to do this because of compliance issues with the government. Mm -hmm. And this is a big issue teaching someone to fill out the forms. And they do this over and again and again and again. How does Scribe work with something that is not software to help a salesperson become more efficient, teaching people how to use something that is that's that's always going to be there, always going to be a problem, always going to be an issue.
1: So the short answer is we're we're focused on things that are digital and software. (laughs) And and there are like parts of the economy that are still driven by paper. Um, And we... Don't have a way of watching people fill out a form and like generating an automatic step by step guide on how to do that. Right. What we do see, we've got a lot of customers who work in manufacturing, for example, right. In places where you've got a big you know, field contingent um, and they'll generate scribes on how to do things and then distribute those to folks in the field when they're working on, say, a mobile tablet. Or something that's that's still a digital process, but not what we think about in the traditional sense of I'm going to sit at my computer nine to five, right, and, and answer emails and, and work across systems. Um, and so that's very much like more of a hub and spoke model, right, of there is a set of people, usually the people who are sitting at their yes. computers all day long who know these processes really well and they're generating these guides and then they're pushing them to folks who might be out in the field or doing other things and they spend only part of their day on screens. But it's still very important both for those people to do the, the process faster and be able to get on with their day, but often for the people who are creating as well to make sure they're doing it correctly. Um, there's a big kind of compliance component to this as well is it's not just the cost of what what does it take to explain to someone how to do something, but what's the cost if they don't do it right? depends on the process, right? But if you're a sales ops person and you need your sales to enter their leads effectively into Salesforce, and they're not doing that effectively, that costs you a lot actually, because you now don't have correct data to be able to do what you need to do, right? Or if you're a salesperson and you've got to, you know, help your customer figure out how to get up and running on their pilot and they don't do that right, You know, worst case, best case scenario, they're calling you and and you're just having to explain more to them. Worst case scenario, that's a really bad customer experience. Right. And that might not lead to you closing the deal. Um, I I often think I, I talk about things as time vampires. When you're in sales, time is money. And yes. so you want to be aggressively slaying any time vampires. And there are really obvious ones that, that I'm sure you talk about a lot. There, there are three that I, I find are often pretty hidden that you don't think about as time vampires, but really are. So one is just trying to figure out answers for yourself on how to do things. You you, you shared it from the sales ops person's perspective, but talk to sales ops people all the time will say, all I'm doing all day long is fielding the same 15 requests from salespeople over and over again. And, you know, obviously that's difficult for that sales ops person. For the salesperson, that's time they're spending not selling. And um, that really adds up. Um, McKinsey has done some research that suggests that's about a day a week for your average knowledge worker that they're spending just trying to find info on how to do your job. What would you do with 20% more selling time? Right. So anytime you find yourself having those kinds of questions, like or, or even not asking the question and muddling through, oh, I'll just kind of figure it out on my own. Right. That's that's lost time. And then if you're on the other side of that, people are just asking you, I mean, how many times do you get a ping from a coworker that's like, oh, hey, can you quickly show me how do I how do I do this again? Right. Either it's a new person and they're trying to ramp up or. Gosh, it's been someone who's been there for five years, but, you know, they're just kind of confused. They don't do this thing very often. And it feels very innocuous. I, mean, I can see you smiling, right? Like we've all had that before. And we all say, oh, that's just part of going to work. People have questions and you want to be helpful and that's fine. But that really adds up, especially when it's interrupt driven, right? Like that's taking you out of your stream. And so there's switching costs as well associated with that. And then the third one is probably something that doesn't actually feel like a time vampire as a a salesperson, but it's the, the questions that you have to answer for customers, exactly what you were talking about. And you might say, oh, well, that's time I'm spending talking to customers. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. But imagine you could be getting them those answers to their questions before they even had to ask you. Like, that's a great experience for them. And that's more scalable time for you. Right. And so... What are those commonly asked questions? Can you, again, with my scribe hat on, like, could you create a scribe for them or have a library of scribes, right? That you you just sort of like send everyone. Feels like love, but it's it's true for everyone. And that can be templates, blurbs, kind of whatever it, it is that you have. But really, can you find these moments of leverage where it feels to people like, you're giving them exactly what they need, but it's not taking any additional time from you.
0: And I I feel you on the interruption. Yesterday, I was doing a task that should have taken about 10 minutes. It took me two and a half hours because I kept getting interrupted. And there is a real, the switching cost is, I think there was an article in the Wall Street Journal back in May and it, they, I thought the number was, was, uh, was smaller than this, but they said, you know, you get, you get distracted from or disrupted from what you're doing. It takes as much as 25 minutes for you to get back to full focus. So if you're a knowledge worker and you're getting interrupted, that's a massive amount of time. And, you know, I've seen the McKinsey reports on the amount of sales day, our sales time that's wasted. My, my guess on average is that on average, Salespeople are spending probably two to three hours a day actually in selling activities, and everything else is other stuff. And sometimes that other stuff becomes an an, convenient excuse for not going out and facing some rejection. But mostly, it's I love the word vampire, but it's a vampire that's in your wallet, still in your commission check.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know what's what's hardest about that is you could spend your day only selling two to three hours, but the rest of it feels really busy. Right. And, and I talk a lot about collaboration overload. It's, it's probably mostly time you're spending talking to other people. Maybe you're talking to prospects, not in selling, but just answering questions or colleagues are having questions or you're trying to figure out how you're supposed to be logging your contacts and generating reports and, and all of that other stuff. And we have so much software now. And it's a little ironic for me to say this as a software CEO, but we have so much software. It is it's wonderful that it's reduced the barrier for us to communicate. I can shoot you and I hop on Zoom right immediately. I can send you a Slack, you can Teams, whatever our software of choice is, very easy for me to get in touch with you. And that's great. The, the flip side of that is you get interrupted. And now there are all of these questions that are coming at you all the time. It's so easy to talk to people. And so you can spend all of your day collaborating and talking to people. And at the end of the day, you go home and your spouse says, how was your day? And You say, oh man, it was so busy, right? I was spent all day talking and communicating and emailing with people. I got a lot done. But did you actually get a lot done? Like how much of that was the time you were spending really selling, talking to prospects, doing the, the core thing that, that is your job versus all of this extra filler that can make us feel falsely like we've been really productive, but actually isn't the true output of what you're trying to drive.
0: Which is a big problem for salespeople, that feeling of, oh. you know, I'm accomplishing something by being the chief problem solver is uh is really this false sense of accomplishment because your real job was to generate revenue. And if you were married to my wife um, and I, you know, I grew up in sales, her question would be, what did you close the day? And, yeah. if, and if the answer was nothing, then, you know, the, she was worse than my sales manager. There was usually a foot up my rear end, you know, go to close something. So, but there, but there is that, that it's just that feeling that we get when we're out helping people. And as I explain to salespeople all the time, you can turn slack off. You know, you can go to teams and you can close it and then people can't team you and they can't slack you. And, you know, in our world, we use Google chat. They can't chat you. So they're very, very convenient ways to communicate. that get in the way. And then. I go back to if you don't have a repeatable or a scalable way to explain something, you find yourself writing the same email again or Mm -hmm. writing the same chat again, putting the same screenshots together again, like you're doing it all again, over and over again. And that takes time. And by the way, every time that you rewrite it, you iterate it just a little bit it's the, you know, the, the, the four fourth graders that are all sitting in a row and the teacher whispers one thing in in one of their ears. And then at the end of the line, they ask the person what the teacher said, and it has nothing to do with what she said. Well, the same thing happens to you over time. You start changing your answer just a little bit and it makes you inefficient. And I I, I want to talk about real quickly, uh, like this concept of rework or these variables that we create these these problems by miscommunicating things that way, or um, or by we give someone the 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 instructions they get it wrong. We talked about compliance, but Mm -hmm. this this concept of the inefficiency that's created through having to do it again. You broke it, now we have to do it again. You you didn't do it right, we have to deliver it again. What are those costs of businesses for? the variables in their processes that create bad outcomes and this concept of having to do rework.
1: Yeah, I mean, because it's bad on two accounts, right? One is the amount of time you're spending redoing it. And and I I push everyone all the time. If you are doing something and you think there's a chance you're going to be doing something similar to it again, or you've done something in the past and you've got deja vu, oh, I'm writing this blurb in this email and I feel like I've written versions of this before, you need to automate that. Like create a template, whatever email client you're using, Like Create a template so you can automatically insert that snippet. You can customize it from there, but you're saving yourself so much work. If you're explaining to someone how to do something all the time, like have a scribe or some other document that you are just sending to them. And really, you want to be sort of like reducing all the work you do down to the smallest atoms and then making those atoms repeatable. And all that you're doing each time is like lightly customizing or configuring them in a different way. It's almost like making your work modular, right? And and the and that has benefits, not just for saving you time, but like you just said, for making sure that it's a, a quality output, because what do you think is going to be a better blurb or response to an email? Something that you sat and really thought about for 15 minutes because you knew you were going to use it 100 times or something you're writing for the 99th time when you've got three minutes in between meetings. Right. And so. You want to be like standardizing for the sake of saving time, but then also ensuring quality. And and that doesn't mean that you don't experiment off of that, right? You might say, hey, I I have this like form template that I use for my outbound and I'm going to try it for this number of things. And then I'm going to experiment. I'm going to run an AB test. I'm going to have a different variation of it. But now you're making a conscious decision where you're saying, okay, I'm going to make a change to what this looks like. And I'm going to see what the response is or what the result is, whatever you're trying to track. And if you don't, If you don't standardize on that, then you are running experiments every single time you are responding or sending that you're just doing it unintentionally. So you're not collecting any data or learning anything at all. Right. And, um, you know, you had asked the question about, like, what what does this cost companies? The answer is it's huge Um, and it's hard to quantify, but we've had customers who. will uh, track how their people spend time in very detailed levels. Like think lawyers tracking your time in seven minute increments. And they've found that their people spend between nine to 13% of their time just answering questions for each other on how to do things. Nine to 13% of the time, just just from those pings. Hey, can you show me how to do this? Or, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Right again, it's these small moments that really add up. And what's interesting is when, when we talked to that customer who then, you know, implemented Scribe, they saw that that was reduced by more than two thirds. So huge time savings, you know, across the board. But what the team said when we talked to them is, yeah, we're happy that we saved the time. That's great. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we'll always take that. But the biggest benefit to us has actually been that the KPIs for our team have improved. Like we're actually selling more. We have higher customer NPS. And that's because like now when we go to do something, we're doing it the right way the first time. There's no more error because now we have standardization on what our processes should be. We are intentional. Everyone is following a best practice. If we don't think it's a best practice, then we update it and we push it out to everyone. And now everyone's doing the same thing. And so it's another one of these sort of and moments like where you can get more time back and higher quality output.
0: Well, I think that's important. You can quantify it in manufacturing. So if you go into manufacturing, especially lean manufacturing, you can look at the cost of rework. We made a mistake. Now we have to do it again. Why do we make the mistake? If you go back to the root cause of why you made a mistake is that you're, you're, you're flying by the seat of your pants or you're iterating every single time. If you have a very specific way of doing things, then you don't have to go back and relearn it every time. And the, but the, but the, one of the problems with knowledge workers in potential, in particular, you can look at it. And if you were coding or if you're doing manufacturing or you're doing anything that, that has a clear system and process to it, you can quantify those things. And I think, I think manufacturing is a great example of, of pulling the variability out of their quality is, you know, of their, out of their quality output so that they can provide higher quality down the road or they're out of their output so they can vi- provide higher quality down the road but we don't do that necessarily as knowledge workers like if we're law if you're a bunch of lawyers or you're a bunch of salespeople, you don't look at the world from that level of science and data to say how many times did we repeat this process how many times we have to go redo the proposal how many times we have to go back to the negotiation because the salesperson didn't realize that they have to go there to get the pricing for this particular product before they can take it to the, to, to the, uh, the customer. So now we have to scrap the whole thing. What's the process for fielding RFPs and sorry, get me on my soapbox here a little bit, that's, but I mean, no, th- but nobody goes back and looks at that and they don't look at the time that is wasted and the cost of the organization for having to go back and do that rework. Cause you do and do it right. The first time.
1: That's a great analogy. If you were to run a, manufacturing the floor, the way we run the average sales organization or pick any knowledge worker, you would be fired in under a day as that plant <laughs> operator, right? Because that you, nothing is standardized nothing is tracked. We don't know. We do this. This comes out the other side. And, and I think it's because we have almost this false illusion that it's all entirely art. And, oh, well, there's no way that you could actually sort of standardize or, or, or write these things down. And there very much is parts of it that that is art, right? It's part art and part science. Like talking to someone on the phone and expressing empathy, there are different ways to do that, right? Building relationships with prospects, like different ways, different approaches, different personalities, that is art knowing where to go to get accurate pricing, <laughs> how to complete an RFP in the shortest amount of time while still, you know, doing it correctly. That stuff is not up to interpretation. It's not subjective. There is an empirical best way to do it. And chances are, if you've got 20 salespeople, if being done 20 different ways right now, maybe even 40 different ways, because I've watched salespeople, any knowledge worker, you do it differently. You're not even consistent with yourself, you know, if you're not doing it every day. And so what if you could just like standardize, almost take all of that part away. That, that's not why you're a talented seller because you know how to find accurate pricing or complete an RFP, right? That's not your special sauce. So like, let's make sure you're spending as much time of your day on your special sauce and take the rest of that stuff. And just like, let's just standardize it, make it really clear. And you just follow a guide, follow along with the process. You almost don't even have to think about it when you're doing
0: it. In other words, you got to spend your day doing the things that you have to apologize for yourself about. Yeah. That's how you become more efficient and effective and productive with the rest of the time that we have left. Um, one of the, the things that I've noticed in the in the workplace today is a lot of people are burnout and we've you know, we I, I've been around in business for 30 years. So I've seen burnout come and go. What I've noticed and I really started noticing this probably March and April of this year is that the level of burnout is different than anything that I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. I think a good bit of it was coming out of the pandemic. I think uh, you've got work from home, but I also think that, you know, we, we became more productive. I mean, so- software in a lot of ways has made us more productive as a society. We could, we, we're, we're outputting more, but there's just something wrong. And I, and I'm, and I don't know the answer. I'm just, I'm curious from your standpoint, because you are in this space and, and you do see how you, what, what you do helps alleviate some of that. But w- what do you see happening in the world specifically around burnout at work? And what are some of your, your thoughts on how people can deal with that so that they can be happier in what they're doing?
1: We saw productivity increase during the pandemic. Right. And And I would argue that's almost entirely because people were putting more time into work. Whatever they put into their commute, plus maybe their time with their family after work was now going into their jobs, right? And it's not because we actually got better about what we were doing when we were at our computers. If anything, I would argue we got a little bit worse. Um, There are a bunch of studies that um, looked at how much people were using communication software during the pandemic. And like the amount of slacks that were sent for for some organizations that were studying went up 87%. (laughs) You got 87% more slacks that you're dealing with in a day, right? I like 50% more zooms, whatever that number was. And so you're spending a lot of your time collaborating and and talking and working to other people. Um, And at the end of the day, you will say, honey, I had a very busy day, but I come back to my point. How many, how many of those hours were you spending really engaging with prospects, like if you're a salesperson? And I think the burnout comes from the fact that we were spending more time doing these things that don't actually get to the core of our jobs, our special purpose, our secret sauce, the thing that we apologize for. It's that the extra hours we were putting in were now going towards all of these I don't want to quite call them filler because they're important for your job, but they're sort of your non-primary activities and, and things that don't always directly contribute to the bottom line of, of your job function if you're a seller, obviously of selling. And I think people intuitively feel that, you know, like you get into selling these, you love selling, you love engaging with prospects. You love being on the phone. Like you, you love the art of that deal. And any time you're spending not doing that is, is probably a detractor from your energy bank. Right. You can think about your day as an energy bank, And so you want to spend more of your time doing the things that give you energy. And those are usually the things that you're really good at. Right. The things you enjoy doing, the things that are the core of your job, the things that you're apologizing for. And then there's all the other stuff that you just kind of put up with. Right. And they're all like little detractors on your day. All those pigs. Hey, can you show me how to do this? Oh, I got to file this report. Oh, I got to respond to these 10 emails. Right. And, and we do them and that's fine. But imagine your energy bank is now the same number of the things that give you joy. And now more and more of those ding, 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 ding reducers. And you do that over a sustained period of time. And that's what leads to burnout. It's people are not getting enough kind of energy and, and sort of like feeding their passion for what they're doing from their jobs day to day because they're getting detracted by all of this extra other stuff. And they're spending more hours doing it than they ever were before.
0: That's a, that's a recipe for unhappiness. I totally agree with you. I, the, at the beginning of the summer, I had, um, I was hit, I hit a wall personally and I had the, I took the summer and blocked it out. And I wrote a book over the summer. That's the thing that I have to apologize to everybody around me about I I'm writing and, uh, and I ended the summer in a much different place than I started the summer. i you know, as energized, I felt great. And, and most of, as you're talking, I think about most of the reason why I was so burnt out. Was because I was spending my entire winter having meetings with people, talking on about things that had nothing to do with what I'm really good at, what I'm really passionate about, and and what I have to apologize to other people about, and that's it. So I think that great advice for salespeople is look at why you're in sales. Go look in the mirror. Why are you here? And by the way, for me, salespeople are the elite athletes of the business world. You are the superheroes that make the economy go. And if you're not happy, maybe go back and take a look at what's making you unhappy or what's making you feel burnout. And I think you're going to find that Jennifer's exactly right. You're spending most of your day doing things that don't bring you the joy that you feel when you're interacting with a customer or a client, when you're asking questions, when you're solving a problem, when you're in the trenches with your customer, trying to work out the best way to deploy your product so that they can achieve their outcomes. If you're not doing those things, you've got a problem, and that's where and why I wanted Jennifer on today because I think that her software scribes absolutely worth worth test, testing out. You guys have a free offer; you can just go there and and use it. I would go try it, and with some of the the, the questions you have to answer for your customers, give it a shot. But more than anything. Find ways, whether it's through Scribe or what have you, to get your day aligned so that, especially at the beginning of your day, you are front-loading your day at the height of your energy, doing the things that you love the most.
1: You know, when I, when I founded Scribe, I went around and talked to a bunch of uh, CEOs and founders that I admired and asked them for advice, and I got all kinds of things that you can imagine. And one of them really stuck out to me, and it was someone who said, find the things that you are 10x at and spend all of your time doing those things. And radically delegate or get rid of everything else. If you're a salesperson, like you are excellent at problem solving with prospects, building relationships, spending those time, like find those bright spots of your day that give you energy, that time that you're spending with customers. And if that's only two to three hours of your day, and you've got another five, six hours, however long your workday is, of other stuff that's out of balance. Like how do you bat away those five to six hours to never get them to zero, right? That that's unrealistic, but could you get it away by half? That would double your selling time. That's incredible. Right. And so really look at like, what are those time sucks and energy sucks and can you get those away? And again, back to my point of this is an, and like, not only does that make you a better seller, it makes you a happier seller, a more fulfilled seller. You're doing more of the thing. That's the reason you got into this in the first place. And so, you can get better results and enjoy the process more.
0: Wonderful. I'm so glad I got a chance to meet you. You're a you're a great CEO and a a great spokesperson for your company. Uh, Your energy is just amazing, and uh, and it's got me inspired to try to be more efficient and and effective in my day and get rid of all of the the time vampires. Uh, Jennifer, tell us uh, or tell our listeners what they need to do in order to check out Scribe and uh, and and learn more about you and your story and uh, and get a free trial.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. So you can always find me there. Um, good luck finding Jennifer Smith. But if you type in Scribe too, that should really narrow it down. And uh, you can always check out Scribe itself or scribehow.com, scribehow.com. Um, it takes, we clock this uh, less than four minutes from the moment you land on our site to the moment you're able to share a Scribe that you have created with a customer. Um, so really, really easy, no learning curve at all. Again, this whole idea of like, we don't want to take time away to give you time back shouldn't take any time to to start. Um, So next time a customer asks you, Hey, how do I do this in your product? Or if you've got that pesky coworker who's always asking you, Can you show me how to do that thing in Salesforce? Next time, just hit record, do the process yourself, and shoot that scribe over to you. And now that's something that you own that you can continue to use with them. The product's completely free. Um, so, uh, no restrictions on how you're able to use it. If you do want to upgrade to our paid version, we'll provide a, a promo code if you'd like for the audience too.
0: Beautiful. Uh, fantastic. I think y'all sent one over and I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Sales Gravy podcast. And uh, everybody, go check out learn.salesgravy.com learn.salesgravy.com if you've never taken a course on our platform you can use the the code free course for your very first course and we'll see you next time on the sales gravy podcast